The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. You know, 100-mile races are always something that I thought, you know, I'll maybe do one a year. It takes so much of a toll on the body that I have just an incredible amount of respect for people that do multiple 100-mile races each year and those crazy people that do multiple 200-mile races. I have all the respect in the world for you. And so these slams that are out right now, you know about the Grand Slam of Ultra Running. There's also the Midwest Slam of Ultra Running. Well, there's a slam called the Pinhoti Slam, and it's it, you get your choice of four races, the Endurance Hunter 100, also the Georgia Jewel, the Pinhoti 100, and the DT Stone Anvil. You complete three of those in a calendar year, you get a really awesome buckle. One of those proud buckle owners from Marietta, Georgia, is Holly Adams, and she's on the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Holly. Thanks for having me. Now, we, we've encountered each other in the past, um, uh, Cloudland Canyon 50K, uh, a couple of years ago, right? It was 2018. It was my first year back into racing after two kids. Okay. All right. So, and I saw your report. I, you, you pointed that out to me online. Um, I was running that race for the beginning part with Jeff Stafford, and you apparently overheard us talking some smack because <laughs> you you were going and the I other felt way. Like it was directed at me. It's true. <laughs> so you did you go out too fast? Did we call you out for going too fast, or were we being just you jerks? did? And at the time, I thought they don't know that I <laughs> had put out some pretty good races in the past, like not excellent, but I'm you know I'm okay. <laughs> and I thought they do not know Holly. And then I did. I blew up. I was too excited to get back into the game, and um. I totally blew up, you know, but I, and I thought about DNFing that race, yeah. but you were, y'all were one of the reasons that I cut it. There was like <laughs> lots of reasons. And I was like, I can't let them think that I was one of those people. Holly, I feel horrible because I'm sure we were just kind of making a comment. And since we don't both have loud voices that very carry, uh, carry very well. I, I did not mean that directly towards you. At least I don't. I don't remember if I did. That sounds. I sound like a horrible human being. Well, now listen. Anybody who's done these, everybody can. They think that you know, it's out there. Like people, we all think that. Like <laughs> someone's passing me, they are going to blow up, and maybe they don't. But oftentimes, if you've done these enough, you you feel like you know who's going to pass you and then crash. Yeah. Essentially, we were trying to make ourselves feel better because we were we were kind of. Uh, towards the- I definitely crashed. <laughs> well, but I did not burn. Good, good. I'm glad that you were able to use my foolishness uh, to, to get you across the finish line and, and apologies. Um, actually, I shouldn't because if I, maybe if I hadn't have said that, you wouldn't have finished that race and you wouldn't have made right. the comeback. So I'm going to go ahead and say, are, are we cool, Holly? We should just say, like, you're welcome, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holly, I always like to, before we get into the reason why you're on the podcast, well, because you're someone that'd be interesting to interview, is kind of, before we talk about the Pinhoti Slam, I'd love to kind of get your running story, Holly. We all, like I say so many times, find this sport for many different reasons. Sometimes it's because, you know, we 
we we we get into a, later in life and we're like, my goodness, I'm out of shape. Some people have been runners since high school and they run in college. And it's a natural transition. W- where did you find running, Holly, and and more specifically, ultra running? So I've always been a runner. Um, I've always liked running, but it was just on my own. I was never like doing races or anything. Um, I would just leave my wherever I was living and just mm-hmm. go out for like my favorite time. I don't know distance, but I was like going for like an hour and a half run, just kind of just lollygagging and loving it. Yeah. Um, and then I know this is very unique um, to me only, yeah. but um, in 2012, I uh, was going through my master's program and I was working with this um, nurse practitioner who I was shadowing Mm. and she, she was a big reader and she loved nonfiction and she put like listed like 10 books I should read. And so I read born to run Mm -hmm. and I was like, what? Like, I had no idea. This is like, people are out there doing this stuff. And it's, I was so riveted and intrigued. And that was like May, 2012 that Mm -hmm. I finished that book. I started running on trails and my goal race that year was Pine Mountain and that Pine Mountain 40, um, close to Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. And like my, that just like changed my whole life. It's so amazing. It sounds like, like, like running was kind of just your, your standard mode of exercise, you know, maybe we're doing like what, like maybe the 10 K distance at a time or, or, or whatever before you found born to run. Yeah. And I, I know like it's so cliche born to run, but it was, um, I mean, it's, it opened my eyes and I look back and I, you know, you hear about these people that have been doing these races since the eighties and it's like, what? Like, or I, something happened like in the late nineties and I thought, oh man, I graduated high school in 96. And like, I had no idea this stuff was going on. <laughs> I know it's, it's so funny to think about that, Holly, about, you know, cause the boom kind of seemed to boom really happened, uh, 2012, to like 2008 where we are now i think the boom kind of started around uh, 2012 and when you when you talk to runners that have been doing this since the 80s i mean you go like it must have just been a real small determined group of ultra runners who must have just seemed like the biggest weirdos on the planet to everybody who knew them now still the amount of finishers you know versus the population is still relatively small in the world of ultra running but there's the group is much much bigger now, and the sport is is much more well known. To think about people running ultras in the '80s and the '70s, I mean, there are people running ultras in the '70s. This blows my mind. It does, and I the, I still meet. I mean, I still meet people who have not like I tell them they they hear about what I do and they haven't heard about it, and I'm like, you still haven't like it still hasn't reached everybody like. Um, I think I remember seeing like some kind of documentary on Badwater at some point, but I guess I thought that was a unique, like just a unique race. Like that was, yeah. it's, it was on its own, well, an outlier. But. The, the truth is, Holly, we don't want it to get too popular because races are already hard enough to sign up for. That is true. We don't want to make this any harder on ourselves. We're going to have, we don't want to have to start signing up for races three to four years in advance. But so you find that Born to Run book. And then you do the Pine Mountain 40-miler. Was that your first official ultra was Pine Mountain? My first official ultra was, I wish I could remember her name who puts these on. Um, It was Buncombe 34-miler. Her name was Terry something out of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, like, her races were amazing. They were these, like, grassroots races. They were free. 
you showed up at the starting line and you could just make a donation. Um, she now lives in Florida, Yeah. but she, um, that was my first one in October, 2012. And then I did Pine Mountain in December. So your first ultra sounds like a, like a good one, that old school, you show up and give me, give me 30 bucks. There's still some races out there, by the way, that are $25 for an entry fee and maybe you'll win a pie at the finish. Uh, how did your yeah. first, how'd your first ultra go? Did you enjoy it or did you oh, ask it yourself? It was amazing. Okay. It's actually a Facebook memory came up recently and I'm wondering, oh, I guess because my mom must have booked her flight at that time. So it was, I was, I planned all year for this, had been training and I was coming out of grad school. So I had time on my hands to like actually go run and like do stuff. Yeah. Um, and my mom lives in Texas and she had booked a flight to come there and be part of the race. And a couple of my friends came out and my husband was out there and they were meeting me at each aid station. It's a race that was really easy to come out and see people. Yeah. Um, and it was just the most amazing day. Like I was just happy and just so grateful to be there. And, um, it was kind of goofy. So this race is known for being really rocky mm-hmm. and a lot of leaves cover the rocks. And I, am. Um, I'd heard about that. And I was like, Oh, I got to protect my hands. And I, um, I wore my, some old bike gloves from like 1996 that I got my first year in college. And those are, I wore those the entire race. You know, it sounds so very cool. I was very cool. Oh, you were very cool. But honestly, <laughs> when you get those Rocky races, all it takes is one trip and, and smashing your hand on a rock to go, man, I wish I would have worn bike gloves. Yeah, I've never raced with them since, and I there have been many a race where I should have. <laughs> you should bronze them. That's what you need. You need to get them bronzed. Yes. Put them right there on the on the mantle as a reminder of that first race. So you learn a couple things. And looking at your ultra sign up, I mean, you really have put in a lot of work, and you've done a lot of races. You know, a lot of a lot of podium finishes from 2013 on. But at some point, you said you had to take a break, right? Yeah, I had. Um... I, we'd been trying to have kids in 2000, my found out I was pregnant in January, 2014, the day after mountain mist. And then I didn't race then I, I ran throughout my pregnancy, but I didn't, I couldn't just get my act together to race again until after my second one was, I guess, I don't know how old, 2018, he'd have been two years old. Yeah. Well, I think it just felt bad leaving yeah. the house with my husband taking care of young kids. And Well, you think about it, Holly. It is a lot. It is a sport that if you are going to be competitive, and, and you've obviously got the skills to be competitive, as you've shown in your ultra sign-up results, it takes a lot of time. And there's got to be that guilt, especially when your your kids are very young, you know, we're talking, you know, babies, to leave them for, for so long. I think that guilt probably plays harder on on mothers than it does fathers i think there's a lot of dads like oh yeah i'll be back in four hours let me know if you need anything but it seems like that guilt kind of hits women a little harder it does but i i will say one here's a sweet story about my husband though so he runs ultras too Mm -hmm. um he was running thunder rock 100 i guess in like 2015 yeah and he had he was at mile 80 and he was starting to struggle and he thought you know i could spend six hours going the next 20 miles but Holly's at home with our six month old, like, I'm just going to go home. And that's what that was like. I never considered that his DNF. It's just like, he had a choice, like he could gut it out and he would have finished it. It's yeah. fine. But he was like, you know, if, I, if I'm not going to like run it in, I might as well just go home and be with my family. And at the time I really appreciated it because I was so afraid to be alone with a, an infant. 
Well, no, it's true because they send you, you have this baby and they send you home and they really don't give you any instructions. They don't. They don't. <laughs> what the heck? And we don't have any family here. So it was just, oh, it was, it was hard. He got major points for that. It, it should, should, it should be modified on ultra sign up from a uh, do not finish to a dad, fin- to a dad chose not to finish for reasons of yeah. being a dad. You can switch that up a little bit. So you take your time. You know, you're able to, you know, you, you kind of get a little taste for the sport and then you step away from it for a while. You raise two kids and then you decide, okay, once you're comfortable with the, they're the age where you can leave them alone for a while, you get back into the game. Yeah. Yeah. I never stopped identifying as a trail runner. Mm-hmm. I, so, but um, I, I, I knew 2018, I wanted to get back my sweet friend, Molly, um, who I finished Penhody with. We ran the whole thing together in 2018. Mm-hmm. She has, she's been, we've had a lot of fun together. We've run every Atlanta fat ass 50 K together, like for the past several years. And she was going so she yeah. stayed with me. It was my, first ultra back and um and I don't know and then somehow a month later for Cloudland Canyon I thought I was just going to be so great but um anyway it was it was I'm glad I got back into it never yeah. lost it Cloudland Canyon you run into these two jackass loudmouths and that kind of <laughs> changes the trajectory of the race so we fast forward to now when did you uh, figure out or hear about the Pinhoti slam and when did you decide like okay this is something I need to do I think the First time I heard about it, I must have heard about it when I was reading people's blogs back in 2012. But the first time I laid eyes on the buckle, which is breathtaking. Yes, it is. Was um, at the, so Guts is the Georgia Ultra Running Trail Running Society. It's a running group in in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And they have an annual holiday party. And I had run my first hundred Bartram hundred the weekend before that, or like the day of or something. Yeah. And we show, I show up at the party, a friend and I had, she'd also run it. And it was like, there's this great picture of us with um, frozen vegetables on our feet <laughs> that someone had given us because our feet were so swollen. And I'm sitting, sitting there on the couch with these frozen like Brussels sprouts on my toes. And I see this guy wearing the Pinhoti slam buckle. And I just put a little bee in my bonnet that well, that's interesting. And, um, Anyways, just the last this year seemed to be a great year to do it. Um, and my husband was okay with, again, it's, it's a family effort. Like mm. when somebody's gone for all weekend and some of these training runs. So he was okay with it. And so this year was the year. Okay. How do you approach this training wise? Cause this is, I've, I've, like I said in the intro, I I've always ever said, if I do one 100 a year, that's enough for me. I just, for me, it's just. I, the, the, it takes such a toll on my body that I'm like, I don't, I just, I, I can't think, I can't think of doing more than one. I can't see myself doing more than, than one a year. And so these folks that are able to go out and do these slams, I'm always just blown away by the, just the determination and the grit and the strength to be able to, you know, sign up for these things, knowing that you've got three days or more of extreme pain waiting for you. How did you approach this from a training standpoint of, so of competing? I am notoriously a, a not a trainer. Like I like to go out on the trails and lollygag and just <laughs> like I, the idea of like this ten junk miles. I didn't really know what that meant until 
probably in the past three months when I started actually like training. Um, but that's all I ever do is junk miles because that's what brings me joy. And it's just me being on the trails and just screwing around. Um, so the Pahoti Slam it used to just be three races you got to choose between. Right. Which was Georgia Jewel Double Top, which is now called the DT Anvil or something. Yeah. And then um, Pinhoti. So I had signed up for double top, but this one is really, really hard. And I always say, I don't like to do hard races. And then I feel stupid saying that. Cause it's like, well, I have done like everything we're doing is hard. right? But, <laughs> right. Um, it's not like I'm like, keep trying to like get into hard rock or anything. Right. So, so I kind of feel like an a-hole for saying that sometimes, but I, 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 so I was signed up for that. Cause that was my only choice. If I wanted to do the slam and I would have done it, but then they opened up endurance hunter and I was like, well, that sounds much better. That sounds much better. Mm-hmm. So I, I paid money for double top, but I didn't do it. And I did endurance hunter and the other two. And I have to say endurance hunter was much harder than I thought it was going to be. And it was a, an amazing course. Well, yeah. I mean, I looked at and this was its first year. I looked at the course description and I was like, good heavens. And it's AR Georgia that, that puts him on. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Hunter Leininger's dad. You, we all know Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. But I looked at that and I go nine aid stations. So there's a lot of time where you're away from aid. I mean, you look at a race like Pinhoti that has, I, I believe, sixteen or seventeen aid I think stations. Seven, yeah, I think it's seventeen. Yeah, I mean, really, you can run, you can run Pinhoti with a with a handheld, and you're and you're fine because you get aid constantly. Yeah. But there's a lot of long stretches of that endurance hunter race that you're not seeing anybody now, including fifteen miles. Um, towards the end yeah i mean that's you think about that 15 miles with no aid you know in a 50k that's one thing in a hundred miler especially towards the end that's an entire that's a that could be a mind fuck that could really be like less about aid and just more about just seeing somebody and like having some reassurance or something so yeah i didn't really my idea for training for that was doing my rinky dinky like 20 mile per hour (laughs) or 20 mile weeks (laughs) Um, and then I, I, I've used Yeti Seven Eleven a couple of times to like train for something. I think once was for DR, uh, the death race. Yeah. And then I did it this year to be ready for endurance center. So I signed up for the 11 hour. Um, and that was great. And that was, uh, that was like my one only training run. Like I didn't, <laughs> otherwise I never really did anything more than 10 miles. So wow. endurance hunter, I'm running really strong until like mile 60, and then it's like dark and I'm like, now I'm by myself. I've been running with the friend, John Kremers for most of the day. And then mile, so the, and it's, this is no secret, it's out there, but the, the endurance center, the course is amazing. The first year course markings were horrible. Aid stations had less than what most um, runners are accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way of food. And I know they're going to do a much better job next year. I have no doubt. But um, I was really done with, poor course markings and I'm by myself at night. And so when I got to mile 75, um, aid station at Fort mountain, I sat down and I said, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Like I'm, you can call a car for me. I'm not going any further. And then as I'm sitting there, I'm like, Oh, you're giving up on the slam. And I was like, I'm okay with that. I just can't go anymore. I'm done with this race. Yeah. And I ended up sitting there, Ryan, for like two hours and I don't, you know, Alex Ananya. Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. Well, I just met him that night and he was like my saving grace. He's like finally feeding me warm food of ramen and these mashed potatoes. 
And man, he turned my frown upside down. I sat there for two hours. I saw Trina come through. She was pacing John Kremers and they came through and I was like, you know, this car for me hasn't come yet. I'm not even sure if it is coming. I'm just going to go, I'll just go finish it. And so after two hours of sitting there by a fire with three blankets on me, I got up and I finished. Um, and it was, I was so proud of myself for like digging out of that hole of just like self-pity. That's incredible, um, Holly. Because you know, you think about sitting around for two hours. You're, two hours. Yeah, you're a long time. Would you say seventy five was the mileage you were in? Mile seventy five. So seventy five. You got seventy five miles on your feet at this point. You're sitting by a fire. You start getting that muscle soreness. I am sure as soon as you, you know, after two hours of sitting down, as as soon as you stood up, you're like, oh god, I feel like a ninety year old person at this point. I, I know I, that was the thing is I never felt bad during that race. Like mm-hmm. I just got tired of like hoping I was going in the right direction. So I put on, I had, a, there, that was a drop bag station. And I put on my, I put on dry socks because it had been raining all day and just putting on the dry socks, just kind of, and I, oh, this is one of my things. I swear I'm never going to like take my shoes off or take my socks off and see what's going on in there. <laughs> and so I had to do that to do this and everything looked okay. But um, just putting on those dry socks, I was able to get back out there. I felt warm and like I could do this. It's so funny how just something as, as small as that, as a change of socks, as just a moment to to regroup and to get some warm food in you completely turns things around for you. Yeah. So people say like, oh, I spent too much, like I'm going to spend too much time at one aid station. It's like, well, it's maybe you wouldn't have even finished if you didn't spend too much time at the aid station. So the next one that I did was Georgia jewel mm-hmm. and I, my wheels fell off early in that race, like mile 35. And I probably spent in total at least an hour at this one aid station that you spend on the back half of the course. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I thought, well, like, you know, I would have done much better had I not spent all that time there, but if I didn't spend all that time there, I might not have finished at all. Yeah, I think okay. I think when people say that, like, beware the chair and and don't yeah. stay too long at aid stations. Those are people that are way towards the front of the pack that are competing for a victory. You know, I think for for everybody that's in that middle to back of the pack, you take as much time as you need where you're not jeopardizing. You know, you're not you're not getting close to a cutoff as much as you need to keep moving forward. Yeah. So tell me about that. Can make the difference of of. I can make the difference if you're a race or not. Oh, absolutely. It can see, because here's the thing. I mean, it's not Western States, right? I mean, so you're not chasing, you're not chasing Walmsley for the Cougar at Western States, you know, so you can take an hour at, at an aid station to kind of regroup and, and get yourself going. The Georgia Jewel, that is run Oof. by, by Jenny Baker, who mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic. Another mm-hmm. one of those criminally underrated, uh, 100 mile races in the South. Um, well, I don't think it's underrated. Well, I, I, I look at it, I go, how is this, this race not sell out in 30 seconds every oh, every year? Yeah. And how is this not a Western States qualifier? Because so many people yeah. are dying to get into it. It's a wonderful race put on by by just a wonderful family. And the finish line experience there is, is from what I've heard many people say, absolutely second to none. It's not an easy course, though, is it? That's what I thought you meant. I was going to say, no, I did the 50 twice and swore I would never ever do the hundred because it's Um, brutal it is it's tough it was tough and i was not looking forward to it it's hot it's humid Mm -hmm. it's just tough 
It's one of those things that I had to do yeah. it to get the stupid buckle. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, and it's and it's <laughs> it's at the slam buckle, right? Because it's it's in September, which yeah, in Georgia, in the South, in September, it is either, it could it could be ninety degrees with eighty five to ninety percent humidity. I mean, it's, and this it, was ninety with like ninety percent humidity. I shaped in places I have never shaped before. <laughs> um, I thought at one point I was just going to take my shorts off and run bottomless and that people would just understand because they were in the same boat I was. Like, I contemplated a lot of weird things. I'll tell you what, that humidity is such a factor. The humidity in the South is such a factor for races. That's why, like, and I'm looking for something and I go, oh, that's kind of in summer. I don't know if I want to run in the summer. I don't know. Summer in the South, those races are tough. But you kept your shorts on. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you finished. That's right. That is true. <laughs> um, it's funny, but no, I was, I was shaping in places where like seams on my shorts touched my outer thigh and that's never happened before. It was so weird. Um, oh God. Just weird places. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kept my shorts on and finished. And that one, I, the last 20 miles I dug really deep and I was ready to be done. And I, I, I'm, I don't know if I did this last 20 miles faster than the first 20, but man, I was hoofing it. I was so done. Well, at some yeah. point too, you're, I mean, how much pain can you really be in? It's like, well, I know I can't be in any more pain than this. So I might as well just push it aside and keep going. <laughs> and it was everything hurt between the shaping. And then there's so many rocks and like steep downhills and uphills. My toes, I lost six or seven toenails after that race. <laughs> six? I have never done that before. <laughs> Wow. It was funny. I was at the beach. We have a ball break and I was at the beach and I guess I don't know if it was the salt water or just my feet being wet all day, but like I just barely touched my toenail and it just like came off. Oh, can you imagine how much fun that is for somebody who like, like likes to pop pimples or something? I'm like, what other toenails can I pull off? Like, oh, then you're at the beach. You're at the beach looking like you're like, you've been tortured. You know, people are looking at your feet going, my God, what did someone do to this poor woman? She must have been but kidnapped. But she's smiling about it. It's so fun <laughs> to like watch them just kind of fall off. I don't know. And here's the thing. You know, so that happens in September. Pinhody's the first uh, weekend in November. That's not a whole lot of time to grow toenails back. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened, so... um. Somewhere in between there, like two months before Pinhoti, I picked up a coach. I thought, you know, like I've never used a pacer. I've never used crew. Yeah. Um, I've never had a coach. And I'm like, at some point I got to lay like level the playing field a little bit. So I was like, ah, I'll reach out to a coach. And so I did. And I don't know. I, I think there was a big difference between my, I mean, I know the weather changes everything, but I think there was just a big difference between Georgia Joel and Penhody for me. Okay, but I want to I want to know Holly when you're talking to your coach and your coach is like, okay, Holly, give me your typical weekly mileage for a build up for a hundred miler, and you're like, ah, eh, like twenty miles a week. I'll maybe run yeah, like a ten mile long. <laughs> like, did their jaw hit the floor? Could you see their jaw drop when you said twenty five miles a week is what I do for hundred milers? No, like he thought, well, some people just get by on low mileage. And I ran with a girlfriend today who she just kicked butt at this 100K in California. And she said she just runs once a week. And sometimes it's only, she must only run like 15 miles a week. Like maybe it's a 15 mile run once a week. 
Like, so I think it's all, this is where the longer you go, it's more of a, and we all know this, it's more of like a grit thing or a mind thing, or it's not just about skill. Those like running prowess has some part in it, but it's a lot of just mental fortitude. Okay. So I want to just explore a little bit more of your training. Holly, do you do other things besides running? Do you do like CrossFit or whatever, or is your exercise consist of 25 miles a week? It's just running. Wow. And parenthood. <laughs> well, that that there needs to be something said, especially when you're a parent of little kids, because once they get mobile, and it's so funny because every parent's like, oh, I can't wait for my child to take their first steps. And then they do, and then you can't keep track of them because they're zooming all over the place, and then they're wobbling as they're zooming. So this is the other big thing that happened. So I have a five- and a seven-year-old, and because my five-year-old just started kindergarten this year, Mm -hmm. that kind of changed my life. So I work night shifts. Okay. And I only work one to two a week. So I have a lot of day, like I have daytime to run, but until August, like, third or fourth of this year... I only had zero to two and a half hours a day to run. Yeah. Like depending on the day of the week, because one of my kids was in preschool and the summer was just, eh, and then like COVID. Yeah. But starting in August, they were both on, they were like, they were out of the house between like seven and three all day. Oh. And I still have this like cushy, like night shift position where I can, I can be sleep deprived for a little bit, but I can still get things done and run and. So that made a huge difference. And I think moving forward, that's still going to be on my side. Okay. So bumping up, did you, did you change your mileage at all? Getting ready for Penhody? Mm -hmm. Did you, you went from 25 miles to? Um, My peak week before Penhody, I think was 66. And other than that, it was like in the fifties and then thirties, forties, but my, and I've never run probably more than 50 miles in a week. And I hit 66 just one week. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I don't know that that's like the biggest thing. I, he had me doing strength training where I've never done that before. Like just all like stuff. I'm not a member of a gym, so it's just all like body weight stuff. Yeah. Did you think that made a difference doing all that? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think so. I think it felt like it made me stronger. Okay. Um, I mean, but- and it's just, and it was only like in two months, so it's not a huge, like, I think we'll see more. It'll be interesting to see what happens for the next race. Mm-hmm. As, as you move forward. Uh, Pinhoti, yeah. one of my favorite races of all time. Um, I've, I've crewed there. I've paced there. I've ran it myself. I think all with all the pacing I've done, I think I've run the course officially twice. <laughs> I've only got one one buckle, but it's an absolutely wonderful race. I think it really is the crown jewel of you know Eastern United States one hundred milers. Just a- I have to agree with you. When you talk about finish line like feels and mm-hmm. stuff, like that has to me. If any race I've done, I think I I feel like that is my favorite finish line. Like. Yeah, people will finish in 17 hours, and they will stay there until the last person comes in at 30 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's, it's a, yeah, it's just so cool. It's a point to point, which is I I, I love those point to point races because you you're seeing something new all the time, and it's such a mental thing. Like if you're having a bad day, you can always go, well, that's a, I'm never going to see that again. As you, as, you, as, <laughs> right. you, as you keep moving forward, the aid I don't station. have to go up that. Right, exactly. So the <laughs> one time when I have to go up the pinnacle is here. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those races where the aid stations, you can tell that the volunteers at the aid station have run that race before, either or they're a part of a group that a lot of people yeah. have run that before. It is just so well done. The course is it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's like if um, it's like they were floats at like Mardi Gras. Like they're each like 
this own special like entity and they're like each showing off and doing their own thing. It's yes. Really spectacular. And it really is. It's at one of the, one of the best times of the year too, because usually early November, usually early November in, in the South is, you know, you're dealing with 65 degrees as a high temperature during the day and 40 degrees to 35 degrees for the low temperature at night. So it's absolutely Ooh, it perfect. Was cold this year. Oh, it was. This was a this was a this was an unusual year for Pinhoti. Um, but every year that I've been there, it's always like, well, you're in shorts and in a t-shirt the entire yeah. time and, and you feel fine. You got a cold year at Pinhoti. What were the temps this year? I think it got as low as 28. Um and which is okay, but when it's like really windy, it's well, but it, it definitely was it was 30 when I finished. Um and it felt every bit of it. Oh yeah, was it a little rainy too? Didn't you see see some rain as well? I didn't see any rain. Mm -mm. Okay, so you didn't. Okay, no, it was it was great. However, when I did it in 2018, my feet were dry the entire time, and this time my feet probably got wet seven, eight times, oh, crossing streams. Yeah. That like I had a friend, um, who told me in 2018, he's like, if you pay attention, you never have to get your feet wet in this race. And so we didn't then. And then this year I like, I kept trying to pay attention. Where's the rock that's going to keep me dry. <laughs> and at one point I just fell in the creek. I was, Oh, I don't like busted my, yeah. Oh, anyway. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> it was, it was slippery and wet. <laughs> um, Whatever. Yeah. You, Whatever. you got it done. But what, when you get to the, you've got two in, so you, you, you like that buckle the Pinhoti slam buckle. You're like, ah, that thing's going to be mine. You finished the endurance hunter. You finished Georgia jewel two very hard days. When you're at the starting line of Pinhoti, is that added pressure when you know that, okay, I am one finish away. I'm a day away from accomplishing what even most ultra runners would never accomplish, which is finishing well, one of these. Slams. I Having done Pinhoti before, like this is what's kind of crazy. So and I did it the last time I ran with my friend from start to finish. Mm -hmm. We did the whole thing together. Yeah. So I had like, I remember Pinhoti being much, much easier. Like, I'm like, oh, everybody, this would be like the most perfect first hundred for anybody. It's so great. Like, it's so like, it's not easy, but it's like basically easy. Yeah. It was so much harder than I remembered. I don't remember all those climbs in the first. I thought I remember the first thirty-five miles being like very runnable. But there's a lot of climbing there. Um, um it may have been everything had, was harder than I remembered. Yeah, it may have been Holly because you had two hard hundred-mile finishes on your legs not too long before that. So it may, there may be a little layer of difficulty. First of all, you're missing six toenails, and secondly, <laughs> you just ran a hard hundred six weeks before. But I thought, what I, so I thought to myself, man, I've been sounding like a total jackass for the last three years telling people this is a great first hundred. Um, and there are plenty of first people, like first timers out there that are doing it. One person, I actually passed her going down Blue Hell mm -hmm. and um, she it was her first hundred. And I think she only finished like 15, 20 minutes after me, which I, I was just really impressed when I saw her finishing time because she, I thought she was kind of beating herself up a little bit on blue hell and, mm -hmm. and she came in doing great. But, um, so the other, the other thing about Pinhoti is I knew I would finish it. Yeah. And most races, like I, you know, you size everybody up on ultra sign up and get all like nerdy. <laughs> right. And this time, I mean, I had done that, but I said, there's too many, there's like too many talented runners. I'm not going to compare myself to anybody. I'm not going to try to get like, I'm not going to freak out about like not freak out, but, 
not, don't worry about plays, just right. worry about your own goals and your own time and try to be positive and just, just be positive. Mm-hmm. And, and this is like, to me, this is the best race I ever had. I never had a low point in 50 K's. I have low po- every race you ever do. It's like, I hate myself. Like, like, yeah. But this one, I just never had a low point. I just felt happy, just so happy the whole day. And I spent pretty much the whole day by myself. And wow. it was great. That's amazing considering how cold it was and how that cold was taking a toll. I mean, you could just look at the finishing times. You could tell that, you know, people were moving slower than they had in years past just because of yeah. the, of the so cold. In 2018, close to the same finish. Well, we finished in 2358 in 2018, and we were 44th place. Mm-hmm. And then coming in just like 20 minutes earlier than that, I was 11th place. And yeah. I think there were like only maybe 20 people under sub 24 this year. And that year it was, it was just a huge difference. It was kind of remarkable. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. And it, some of it has to do with the course change, I'm sure. But well, cause the, the course changed slightly mm-hmm. at the end. They no longer finish at the high school there. You have to, is it, does it make the course just a little bit longer? I think it might be the same, but it is, it's bike mountain bike trails. So it's like this constant up and down, up and down. You can run for a little bit, but unless you want to keep running uphill, like you're, you're having, and I like, I like to kind of run in strong at the end of a race and I, you just couldn't, you couldn't do it. You had, there's still a lot of hiking at the end. Cause the old finish was you had about two miles, the longest two miles of your yes. life on yes. the road as you're passing, you know, you're, 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 you were going through the town of Silicaga in the middle of the night you're looking around for lights going, is that the high school? Is that the right. high school? And you're like, no, that's a daycare. Oh, no, that's an auto parts store. You're just desperately looking for this high school. So you replace the longest two miles of your life with mountain bike trails going up and down and up and down and Where up and down. Where you can't even see the finish line until like the last 10 seconds. Really? Or I can even hear it. <laughs> like, we didn't. Well, um, <laughs> when are we going to finish all of a sudden you're like, oh there it is there it is oh i guess i could have run it in the last little bit but you know it's so yeah. interesting holly hearing you talk about this and how i've talked to people that have done slams before and there's so much strategy involved and in how they're like okay i've got to run this one much slower than i normally would and you set the pace back a little bit but really you kind of just you went in, I'm going to get this done. And then Pinhoti, you pushed it hard. 11th overall is nothing to sneeze at. You just plowed right through these. I was really proud of this one, Ryan. I, I'm really, I was really, really happy. As you should be. I was, um, but yeah, I'm, as far as like a strategy for things, it's mm-hmm. usually more on the strategy of winging it and just, uh, seeing what happens. I mean, you never know. Do you think there's. Holly, that there's maybe a need for more of that. Do you think maybe some of us have gotten so bogged into miles and plans and I have to do Oh my this? gosh. The first time I did Penhody, we came across this guy and I didn't know the term grade adjusted pace at the time, but that's what he was describing. But he made this pace chart based off grade adjusted pace. Yeah. And for like the whole course, like knowing like what all the course profile was and I was just like man like that took a lot of time to come up with that it probably was some computer algorithm and I'm too stupid like I would have taken me a lifetime to figure it out but I just thought wow like so I I don't know anything about a pace chart and like that that stuff does boggle my mind I think 
there you know, you've heard that people always talk about like running on effort and that's really like what else can you do right like mm -hmm. like if you're not running by effort you're like either beating yourself up you're not running fast enough it's well i think too holly there's probably something to be said about figuring out what type of runner you are and i think there are people that really excel on charts and sheets and it's like i've, I've seen how their brains work you know, and, and how they love to just dial everything down. It brings them comfort to to be, you know, to have all these charts and to be checking this out and doing this research. And it just gives them that that comfort of, of you know, like like Bob Hearn, the guy who won the Vol State uh, 500K this year. He's very stats. He's, he's got the mind of a scientist. That is how his brain works, and he enjoys that part of it. I think though, if you're not that type of mind, I think that can bring a lot of a lot of stress, and you can overdo it. And so, I think you need to find if you're, you know, are, are you the Bob Hearn type runner where you want to know what grade adjusted pace is and have. But that's your, great. Like I wouldn't right. mind doing that. But if you don't, if you don't meet that time point, like you're just beating yourself up. You're like getting, I had right. goals for this race of where I wanted to get at a certain time, and when it didn't happen, I was just like, you know, whatever, screw it. Like we'll just readjust. Yeah. If you miss that on your sheet, then you're just, I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't just beat you up inside. Right. I think you need to decide, or, you know, maybe we all need a little Holly Adams in our lives where it's just kind of like, eh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to do what I can. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to obsess too much about, is this the right training? I'm just going to go out and, and, and get it done. Cause <laughs> you went out Holly and you got it done. Yeah, it was fun. I always like to try new things on. I don't do it purposefully, but it turns out that I always try new things on race day, mm -hmm. just being careless. <laughs> this time, and this is a pretty big one because this could have gone either way for like my GI system, but yeah. I had a couple miniature um, uh, Mountain Dews and a couple of drop bags. Yeah. And because I was like, wow, 250 calories for this little amount? It's like, <laughs> yes, please. And uh, they were great. I think that's also fun. Just kind of living on the edge a little bit. You are living on the edge because <laughs> Holly, there's not a single ultra uh, coach or running coach that'll say try new things on race day. I, mean, <laughs> I tried. I tried new anti-chafing stuff on this time. I tried. I think I had new. Sh I had new shoes this time. Holly. Yeah. So just <laughs> try it out. Like just <laughs> new shoes. New nutrition, yeah. new anti-chafing, just, yeah. just winging it. <laughs> totally. Oh, and there was other oh, something. Yeah, I I did new other new stuff with nutrition. Like you just whatever. I love it. Whatever. I absolutely love it. What other new things did you try? You can't just tease tried, us with that, Holly. I my I so I usually just have a bladder in the back. Yeah. And this time I had a bladder in the back, and I had two little. 500 milliliter soft gels in the front. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, I usually don't like to stop at eight stations that long. But I was like, how long does it really take to fill our water? Like not that long. Yeah. So I used my tailwind super, super concentrated in the back with like only a liter. Yeah. So I would just sip off of that. And then I'd have to take a sip of water to like kind of like regular water so that it wouldn't be too concentrated. Right. So I wouldn't get like a gut bomb or something. And I, and it was a pain in the butt. I was running with a new pack also, and it was a pain to change out the bladder. So it was, I think I only refilled it two other. 
Oh. Um, but so it was super <laughs> stupid. So stupid. I Holly. So. Holly, uh, the regular strength. Oh, and, I would, and they were all three different flavors. So at the end, they're all mixed. It was like a green tea, a strawberry, and mandarin orange all mixed together. And it was goo, rock, tain, and tailwind. Oh, God. Oh. I mean, oh. disgusting. How did that taste? It was fine. It was sweet. It was very sweet. No, because as you say, you've got super duper concentrated tailwind in your bladder <laughs> and you're keeping water in your soft gels. Tailwind for me, I have to water it down. And I, I'm, I know saying this means I'm never going to get an endorsement with them. That's okay. Because it's just, it's too sweet. And if I run it at the standard um, volumes that they suggest, it, it starts to, it, it makes my mouth feel weird towards the end. And it just, it gets to be too much after a certain point of time. So I can, it must've been like syrup. And tried, it was so sweet. Try, try double concentrated. Um, but yeah, you have to chase it with a shot of regular water oh God. Holly. and just see what happens. <laughs> but my goal was just to not carry too much liquid on me. It was kind of dumb. It was yeah. just, you know, trying stuff out. New know. shoes, new pack, new nutrition, new anti-chafing solution. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, listen, folks, I think that don't try new things on race day is overrated. Um, just go ahead and go with it. I do think, though, Holly, and correct me if I'm wrong, most shoes nowadays are perfect right out of the box. I haven't had to break in a pair of shoes in, God, six, seven years. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, they're fine. I think back in the day, like in the 80s, you know, you ever like get a pair of, because of, I like to wear to work the old Saucony Jazz shoes, their old running shoes that they used to have. I just wear them for casual stuff. I got to break those in because they even like they even hurt my feet just walking around in them. But you, you get a new pair of running shoes out of the box now and they're, you could run a race. You could, you can run a race. For, I, I, I run in Hoka's and I have, I've run in Hoka's for about seven years. Every time I've bought a new pair and just saved them for race day, I've never had any issue with them straight out of the box. Yeah. And that, that's my favorite shoe too. I have horrible bunions mm. and they can make things a little funky in the toe box. Yeah. So that's my only problem, but I don't know, just, so then you just loosen your laces, I guess. Yeah. Then you just kind of roll with it. So trying all these new things, Holly, you've now got a nice shiny awesome looking people google what the uh, pinhoti slam buckle looks like it really is an absolutely gorgeous buckle um trying these new things you've now got the slam done as we start to close out 2021 what are you looking forward to doing in 2022 i am not sure um so first i should say a couple of girlfriends and i we ran together today and plotted 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 a fun little run venture for mid-december okay um, we're going to try to do the Georgia loop. Nice. It's not an FK, not an FKT thing, but I'm just really looking forward to some girls out on the trails. Yeah. Just, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for next year. Um, the only, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, knowing you, Holly, you're going to try the Georgia loop. Um, you're going to try all new things and then you are going to set an FKT without even trying. No. <laughs> That's not, that's not a goal, but and that's not our goal, but it, well, it'll be fun. This is good stuff, Holly. This was a fun chat. Congratulations Thanks. on, on getting that slam done. I'm always impressed 
and it's so funny to talk to people and just of all the guests I've had over the year and a half of the adventure jogger, just how many different approaches there are to just to training. And I love your sense of, eh, let's just do it. You know, 20, I'll, I'll run 25 miles a week. I'll go run a hundred miles. I'll just get it done. I think that's an incredible sign of just your mental toughness, Holly. And I really appreciate you coming on the adventure jogger. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Everybody adventurejogger.com for back episodes. If you want to catch up, there's also gear on there as well. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.